Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Even when it's an inopportune, even when it's an inconvenient request. That's what friends do. We need to realize inopportune and inconvenient, those are not adjectives that describe our God's relationship with us. There is no inopportune time to go to God. Guess what? Two o'clock in the morning, He wants to hear from you. As a matter of fact, my wife says two o'clock in the morning is her best time of prayer. She can't sleep, she prays. To be inconvenient to God, what would be inconvenient to God? I mean, again, He desires to hear our plea. He desires to hear our request. God answers prayer, and God is never hindered by what we may consider an inconvenient time to approach Him. As we'll hear in today's study with Pastor David, God is always available to meet our need, no matter the day or hour. Jesus is the door, and He is also the bread of life. Anyone who comes to the door and knocks, seeks, or asks for bread will never be disappointed. God delights in supplying His children with what they need and will open the door to anyone who will come to Him by faith. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Perseverance in Prayer. this thing of prayer, it's kind of a weird thing. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about prayer as being kind of a weird thing. We are communicating with someone that we've never seen before. We are pouring out our hearts and lives to someone we've never really physically touched or been with. It's an absolute work of faith. Prayer is a work of faith. Knowing that there is a God who not only desires for our communication with Him, but he listens and he responds to that communication. J.I. Packer, in his book, uh, Growing in Christ, writes this about prayer. He says, praying to God is a problem for many today. Some go through the motions with no idea why. Some have exchanged prayer for quiet thought or just meditation. Most, perhaps, have even given prayer up entirely. Why the problem? The answer is clear. People feel a problem about prayer because of the muddle that they're in about God. If you're uncertain whether God exists or whether he is a personal or good or in control of things, or concerned about ordinary folk like you and me, you're bound to conclude that praying is pretty pointless, not to say trivial, and then you won't do it. What about us here? Do you sometimes have trouble praying? Maybe Packer really hit your problem, you know, hit the nail right on the head. If you're uncertain whether God exists, if you're uncertain whether he's a personal God, whether he's good, whether he's truly in control of things, if you don't really understand whether or not he's concerned about ordinary folks like you and I, 
And perhaps that's the problem. Maybe that's where the issue is. In your mind, you've pretty well concluded that praying is pretty pointless, not to say trivial, and you don't even really and truly do it. We're in the book of Luke, and invite you to turn there, if you would, in chapter 11 is where we're at. As we've been going through the book of Luke, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, we're in chapter 11. Last week, we looked at the request by one of Jesus' disciples in his desire to know how or to learn how to pray. And we spoke last week about the fact that this is a disciple that probably was not one of the 12 disciples and probably had joined Jesus later on in the ministry because earlier in the life and ministry of Jesus, in the Matthew chapter 6 passage, Jesus gives us the, the model prayer, what many call the Lord's Prayer. And here in Luke, it's later on in the ministry of Jesus, and he gives a version of that model prayer, but a, but a shorter version. We looked at, again, looked at it last week, Matthew chapter 11, and verse 1, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now we look and we went through the different sections of that. And this is probably best understood as an outline or a form of prayer rather than a prayer to be memorized and then repeated in some rote fashion. But I also shared with you that if you do repeat the Lord's Prayer, that's fine. As long as it's truly meaningful to you, and it's not just a a repetition of words that don't mean anything. We follow up again with, with this. Jesus now begins teaching his disciples, those that are with him there, uh, in reference to prayer and the importance of it. We find this follow-up teaching beginning here in verse 5, and, and, and here's where Jesus gives, again, what, what I see is better an illustration rather than a parable. Uh, He speaks about an individual, a situation here, but it's much more than a a parable. I think it is an illustration. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Let's look at what he says here in verse 5. He says, And Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Uh, For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. He will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I can't rise and give to you. I I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he's a friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, there's a lot of interesting aspects about this particular illustration. There's a lot of things that we're going to touch on now. There's a lot of minutiae in it that we're not going to deal with because pretty much it's, it's not really the point of it. We want to look at some of the major points of what he's saying. And to me, actually, it's kind of a humorous story if you pause and think about it for a bit. First of all, according to Jesus, the relationship of the two primary characters, they're friends, at least until maybe this night they were friends. He says, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and cry out, Hey, friend, really, at midnight? There's this third guy in the guy that's traveling, and again, he's inconsequential to the story, so we're not going to really deal with him much at all. 
But sticking to these two main characters, this relationship, as friends, there's this presupposed idea that as a friend, there's going to be this desire to not only be willing to make a request, but there's also the willingness to supply or assist a friend. That's what friends are all about. Uh, And it's very apparent that the second man has the resources necessary to meet the request that the first man makes. The problem comes is when that first man comes at midnight. Now, again, I don't care how good of a friend you are. If you come at midnight, you better have a really good reason, okay? Uh, the first man, he comes out, he comes really out of a desire to bless that third man. Third guy had been on the journey. He says, hey, I, I don't have anything to give him at all. Now, you could maybe speak about, well, lack of preparation. How come you don't have any food in your house? But, uh, again, that's not the point of the story. The primary point of the story is that there is a need And this man knows where to go to to supply the need. That is the primary point of the story. It's the timing of the request, though, that seems to be the main problem. The second man responds to the request. Now, I'm not sure what version of the Bible you have, whether you have King James, New King James, NIV, English Standard Version, whatever you got. Uh, Just let me read this to you out of my version, okay? In verse 7, the man responds to him. He says, Are you out of your mind? Do you know what time it is? (laughs) He says, don't trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. And if you wake up those kids, you'll have my wife to answer to. (laughs) I can't rise up and give it to you. And you need to get the picture. It was common in those days that the houses, they were Totally different than the houses you and I have now, where we have nice divisions. Each child has their own little separate bedroom, and you know, mom and dad can get up without disturbing the kids. No, in that in that time frame, it was usually just one big open building, and the the sleeping area was one corner of that big room, and the the cooking area was over in another. So when it came time to go to bed, everybody went to bed at the same time. A very open floor plan, just one big room. So. The friend would have had to have gotten up, move around in the darkness, probably barefoot, step on a a Lego or something or whatever kind of toys that they had at that point in time, probably kick his foot on the cook stove. Uh, Then he has to go over, he has to uh, strike a a light so that they can see where the bread is. And uh, because it's such an open floor plan, man, you strike that light, it's going to light up everything. And so sure enough, the family is going to be disturbed. He denies the request. He says, no, I'm I'm not going to do that, former friend of mine. (laughs) He denies it. He he denies it because of the inconvenience, because of the the time, because of the situation. And, and, And maybe even he's wondering how come the friend didn't prepare any better for that situation. Ordinarily, you would have thought that the story would have ended there. No, I'm not going to give you bread. And the guy went on maybe to his next friend, uh, and the, the neighbor on the other side, whatever it was. But this guy, he, he's very persistent. He keeps on going. And Jesus continues on with the scenario. In verse 8, he says, I, I say to you, though the friend wouldn't rise up and give to him because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And you can kind of see this being played out. First, the guy's outside, and he's probably whispering with a stage whisper through the window. Hey, hey, you got any bread? No, no, I'm not going to get Come on, I need bread. And then louder and louder, pretty soon maybe the whole neighborhood's starting to wake up. 
He's not taking no for an answer at all here. And so the plea continues on until the second friend realizes, you know what, this guy is not leaving until he wakes up my whole family and, and perhaps even the whole neighborhood. And so he gets up and he starts giving bread to this guy. Because of his persistence, the word says, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Okay, here, here, here's three. No, take four. Here, take five. Just go on. I really think that that's kind of the scenario of, of what would take place here. Now, the reason I say that this is an illustration more than a parable is because as the Lord is teaching them about prayer, gang, we need, we need to be sure to realize our God is not like that second man inside the house that doesn't want to be disturbed. Our God is not like that second man in the house that's only moved because of persistence. That's not how our God is. I believe that Jesus is using this illustration to help us to understand that even in earthly terms, this fervent, this persistent request of a man uh, to someone who is his friend, e even then you'll get results, even when it's an inopportune, even when it's an inconvenient request. That's what friends do. But we need to realize inopportune and inconvenient those are not adjectives that describe our God's relationship with us. There is no inopportune time to go to God. Guess what? Two o'clock in the morning, he wants to hear from you. As a matter of fact, my wife says two o'clock in the morning is her best time of prayer. She can't sleep. She prays. To be inconvenient to God, what would be inconvenient to God? I mean, again, he desires to hear our plea. He desires to hear our requests. I believe what Jesus is getting across to the disciples is much more the willingness of a friend to respond to a persistent, though inconvenient, request, but yet we need to be reminded in the midst of this, our God never sleeps or slumbers. Our God desires to hear our request. Our God doesn't rebuke us when we make a request. Our God delights in supplying all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Our God is a generous God. Our God cares about the things that concern us. And you know what? We are more than friends to our God. We are his children. We'd have been the ones in the house with him. Understand that when we look at this. So Jesus continues on in his teaching in a, in a very positive direction. He says, verse 9, so I say to you, ask. It'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Go ahead and knock. It will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus directs his disciples on how they need to be willing to ask of the Father in heaven. Why? Because it will be given. Jesus encourages them to seek and to understand that the Father will lead us to do and we will find. He says, if the door is closed, go ahead and knock. It will be open to you. Now, one of the things that I've heard through my Christian experience is a lot of people is that, you know, if God closes a door, he'll open a window, okay? It's a nice little platitude. But do you know that sometimes closed doors are there to see your persistence? Sometimes closed doors are there to see the greatness of your desire. Now, I understand, too, that God opens doors that no man will close, and he closes doors that no man will open. 
But I also know that that's not always the case. I also know that it's not always the case that every open door is God's will in your life. We have to pray. We need to seek the Lord. We need to seek his desire. We need to know, just as he says in the prayer and in teaching them how to pray, your will be done, your kingdom come. And again, this whole idea and thought that it's not just the, the moving along like, like a, uh, um, what do they call those machines with a little ball that rolls around you? Pinball, there we go. I, thanks for the help, Frank. Uh, <laughs> our, our Christian life isn't like a pinball machine where we just go, oh, that's closed. We're going to go over here and that's closed. Oh, that's open. We go there. No, we're to be led by the Spirit of God. And sometimes when doors are closed, he says, knock. Go ahead and knock. Maybe it is God's will, but he wants to see you again. The greatness of your desire, the greatness of your willingness to pursue these things. The most important thing, though, is that focus of the Father's will in our life above all other things. The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 5 He says, now this is the confidence that we can have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we'll have the petitions that we have asked of him. You see, that's a confidence that you and I have to have. It's one of the reasons why there is a tremendous amount of books about prayer. There's a tremendous amount of seminars about prayer, tons and and, and multitudes of thousands of sermons on prayer, and yet prayer is so lacking in so many believers' lives. I believe it's because we don't have the confidence that our little needs and our little situation, is God really interested in? Is God really going to change things or move things or deliver into my hands those things? Beloved, it first comes to the understanding that we're asking according to his will. That means that we need to be in communication with him. We need to be in the word. We need to know God. And once we know God, and once we are really truly growing in God, then we can have confidence in him that he will, again, answer those things. That when we ask, we ask according to his will. When we seek, it's with the understanding that we've already sought his kingdom first and his righteousness. And when we knock, we're literally knocking on heaven's door for heaven's and for the kingdom's plan and purposes in our lives. And when that's the reasoning within our lives, I believe honestly, according to God's word, according to the word of Christ, I believe that it will be abundantly opened up to us. I'm asking for the things that I know he desires. I'm asking for the things that I know are his will. Lord, your will be done in my life and in the life of my family. Lord, right now, this situation is hitting my family. And Lord, we're, we're struggling in this area. And it's, it's causing tension within our family. And Lord, we, I know that you don't want that tension. I know that you want us to be of one flesh. So Father, we, you know, when we come with that kind of an attitude, with that kind of an understanding, Lord, I want your will. I'm, I'm not looking just to make it easy on me. Lord, that man that you've given me, or Lord, that woman that you've given me, oh. Lord, this is your will. This is your plan. This is your design. We're messing up on it. Work in our lives, Lord, that we might live our lives to your glory. Uh, Financial situations, health situations, relationship situations, your, your own spiritual life, the battles that you're battling within your own heart and your own spirit. Come according to his will. 
And beloved, I believe that then we can have confidence that he will answer those prayers and supply abundantly to us. We, we look also at the tense of these verbs that he's using, this idea of ask and seek and knock. The tense is the idea of, of keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Our persistence in prayer, I believe, shows the depth of our desire. It's not that I, I mean, God's finally, okay, for Pete's sake, take it, get it. No, that, that's not how God responds to us. Not because we're, it's, it's not like the mom in the grocery store with the four-year-old, you know. Mommy, can I have this? 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 No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. Mommy, can I have this? Mommy, can I? No, you can't. No, you can't. Mommy, can I have this? Oh, for Pete's sake, take it. That's not our God. But our God does desire for us to express our heart before him. And how important is it really to you? How meaningful is it? There are times in our lives that we need to be like a Jacob. We need to wrestle with God. Say, Lord, I'm not letting you go. I'm not, I'm not stopping. I'm, I'm not quitting. I want to know your answer in my life. I want to know your deliverance in my life. I want to know your release and your healing in my life. Whatever that answer turns out to be. And then I wonder how, how much repetition is too much. I believe God will let us know. I, I believe that if we're praying and praying and praying, I believe that eventually he's going to say, he's going to either give us the, the, one of three answers, right? Most of you know he gives one of three answers. Yes, no, or later, okay? Yes, no, or later. I hate the no answers. But yet, in retrospect, I always understand the no answers were best for him and therefore best for me. I told the congregation last night, thank God for no answers. Otherwise, I'd be married to a completely different woman than I am today. <laughs> and praise God for the direction that he gave. Forty-three years, yeah. God will give no answers for his glory and for your benefit. Think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says that he prayed three times for this thorn in the flesh that he had. I don't, I don't believe that one night he said three prayers. I, I don't think that that's what he's communicating to us. I believe that there were probably three different seasons in Paul's life that that thorn in the flesh, whatever it was within his life, that there were probably three seasons in his life that it so overwhelmed him that he just spent time in prayer seeking the Lord for it until finally the Lord said no. The Lord told him in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul got upset and said, well, if you're not going to answer, I'm going to go find another answer. Now, that's not what he did, did it? Because Paul's desire was above all things that God's will would be done, that God would be glorified in his life. That's why Paul could respond to that declaration that no of the Lord when Paul says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. But when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Do you realize the maturity of that response? We 
hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.